All right, welcome in Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. And we usually focus on the Southeastern Conference. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, camp is open for one SEC school. It is going to be opening up for a couple more tomorrow and then almost every day the rest of the week. So what we're going to do is go through uh, some of the schools. Actually, we'll go through all the schools and our biggest question mark that we have for each and every one of them heading into camp. Uh, what's the things that we're looking for? But what's that one, maybe two questions that we want to try to get answered that we realistically think we can get answered through fall camp? Um, not a ton of other breaking news other than some things that have happened through recruiting really around the SEC. Uh, we opened it up via Twitter. Remember, at Cube Show, Twitter, Instagram, go follow us there. At Cube Show 61 on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing. Always appreciate you being with us and kind of asked you, you know, what do you want us to talk about? Because there are a couple of different college football topics floating around and we got some good answers. We got a lot. I don't think we're going to get to all of them, but I did want to sort of get to a few of them and a couple of you, a couple of them will actually answer in our our fall camp preview is kind of what we're looking for uh, with camp opening up. We're going to give you that schedule as well. So I've got the, uh, the fall camp schedule for Southeastern conference teams right here. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, first response, Josh, Josh Pate um, at late kick. Josh asked why you won't release the tapes um, legally. I am. I've got the documents. Uh, well, I could pull up the, could pull up the email right here on my iPad. Uh, but the notes that I was given right here on why I can't release that interview, not from my side, uh, that's from your side uh, that we did at SEC Media Days. So as soon as you guys sign on the dotted line, we'll put the interview out for everybody to see. That goes for Andy Staples as well. So that, that's not on us. A um, couple of folks saw us doing those interviews on the SEC sofa, and that's all I can say about it. Sorry. Um, not I'm not permitted to discuss it any further. Would love to post them. Thought they were fun interviews. Not on me. Um, I'll be ice tweets in uh, response. Big cat weekend. Holy hell, man. Uh, Hugh freeze and those boys are doing some work down at Auburn. If you miss it, uh, they flipped a five-star linebacker uh, on Thursday. I believe that was committed to Georgia. He's now committed to Auburn, a five-star receiver this weekend that was committed to Alabama. They got him flipped, heading to Auburn, and they get another four-star commitment from a wide receiver over the weekend. Big Cat weekend taking place. I'm not a recruiting expert. I'm not going to pretend. I did see one recruiting service that already has um, Perry Thompson down to a four-star. I thought that was was pretty funny. Like, uh, I thought, like, right there. Already down to a four. <laughs> Some things never change. But um, this is what happens when things are aligned. And there's going to be the low hanging fruit is to take your shots at the previous regime. Were they doing everything the right way? No. Could they have done more? Of course. Could they have done it differently? Yes. I think we're seeing that it, it was probably a bad fit for a lot of different reasons. And Hugh Freeze is one of those guys. When he gets in the room, he's just impressive. He he knows how to handle himself. He knows what people want to hear. Just, you know, communicating is what makes you a good recruiter. Just knowing how to speak the language. And Hugh does it really well. And he's been impressive so far. But on top of that, in today's college football, in today's recruiting landscape, when your collective is on board and the people running that for Auburn, I've, I've said this multiple times. They should probably be doing something much more important than put a collegiate collective together because they're some of the smartest people I've ever met. 
the administration's on board. Chris Roberts, John Cohen, and then the boosters are on board. A lot of a lot of the big money boosters. This is who they wanted. As we know, that's been a back and forth with Auburn for quite some time. You are seeing true alignment right now within the Auburn football complex slash athletic department. And it comes from NIL. It comes from boosters. It comes from alumni. It comes from fans. It comes from current players and is trickling into recruiting. So uh, this is true alignment and what can happen at Auburn when all the forces come together and start walking down the same path. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. Hopefully it can continue because um, it's been a while. First five-star commit since 2019, I believe. So it's, it's been pretty impressive. Um, also response, Jason tweets in Mississippi state's offensive line splits, a deep dive. I'm terrified of how long it could take for that adjustment. Uh, that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Mississippi state. I don't know if we're going to be able to learn in fall camp about the offensive line and how they look. Now I will say splits. It's something I, I think he brings that up. Cause it's something that I complained about a little bit when they brought the air raid into the sec, these defensive linemen were just too quick, too fast. Like the games are too good. The pressures are too precise for you to have those three, three and a half foot splits. And I do think state began to bump those things down under Leach's tenure. We weren't, we won't learn a ton about technically how it's going. Maybe a little bit will trickle out. Um, Obviously, you know, Steve Robertson, Brian Haydad, some of those guys do a great job covering that football team. You're going to get great information. However, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to see that much to really know. Um, but we'll talk about it a little bit. I, I don't. It's one of the parts of that team I'm really concerned about. And I've heard a lot of folks in the national media, even the SEC media kind of say, well, it's not that big of a. Oh, it's not that big of a shift. It's not that big of a deal. I, I promise you it's a big deal. I go back to what I told you guys. I asked. Will Rogers at SEC media days about turning his back to a defense. You turn your back to that defense and then you come back and that picture is totally different, man. The coverage is different. I can speak to it a little bit that when I played center, we used to have to look down between our legs, quarterback lifted his legs and then we could snap the ball. Well, and watch Kirby. He still does this for teams that, that kind of look back. Um, and it's a little bit of an old school trick. It's almost kind of high school hairy, but it's effective. And when I would look down and then I'd come back up and all of a sudden, we we go from an even front to some kind of a bear defense or an odd defense or an oaky defense. And it's like, we don't have enough time to readjust everything. Everybody better know what to do because I can't go to the guards and make calls. We can't switch the run. Like it's over. It's too late, which is why you don't see a lot of guys look between the legs anymore. Uh, that's why you go on the clap. Like Lane Kiffin told us, he's like, nothing in nothing is as, as loud as a clap. He's like, that clap is more audible than anything you can verbalize. And so that's why they went to it. That's why most teams do that now. But it's going to be a big transition to something we're going to watch. We'll talk about a little bit of that with Mississippi State. Uh, Greg, Greg responds, demise of the Pac-12. Yeah, man, I, I, would, I did want to spend just a little bit of time on realignment today. Um, obviously, Colorado's going back to the Big 12. And I know we focus on the SEC, but I'm a college football fan. And there are a lot of people that I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there and I'll put my name on it. I don't really care. Uh, I was asked by um, a guy that covers the PAC 12 um, a couple weeks ago. If you, if you were an alien and you came down and you were given the ability to reconfigure college football, however you want, who do you leave in the big 10? And I responded and I gave my teams and I think he, he was only 10 teams that you could leave and SC and UCLA weren't in there. 
And he responded back and he said, wow, you're the first person out of like 35 people that have not left USC and UCLA in. And I said, well, yeah, this is, this is my college football, right? Like, I don't, if it's just me as a fan, I don't, I don't care about eyes and, and regions and households and ratings and number. Like I wanted to go back to what it was when I fell in love with it, everything, all sports, individually, teams, leagues, conferences, it was all the, it's all usually going to be the best when it was most impressionable on you, when you fell in love with it. So like for my kids right now, Oklahoma and Texas, that is probably going to be the SEC for them because, you know, they're all under the age of nine. You know, I've got, I got eight, six and three. So my, my two boys are my two youngest. When they grow up cheering for the SEC, they're just going to think Texas and Oklahoma were always in the SEC. Hopefully I do a better job educating them on that, but like, that's what it'll be to them. So I, I, I have witnessed the PAC 12 be great. And it's not just the USC runs. Like I remember UCLA and Cade McNown and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Skip Hicks and some of those guys having just incredible seasons. Like, obviously I remember Aaron Rodgers at Cal. Um, you know, I remember some Stanford teams that were just unbelievable. Um, you know, we've seen, I remember Steve Entman at Washington was one of my favorite players to watch in high school. Like just this behemoth of a defensive lineman. He was like the reason I switched to 90 my senior year in high school. Um, I remember like a lot of those teams being great and I just kind of hate to see it fall apart because I do think the branding still has the ability to carry some power. And I do think the regionalization of college football is part of what made it incredible. And I have a fear that going more national could challenge some things that people love about the game. You've heard me mention rivalries. I don't think rivalries just have to be Alabama, Auburn, Ohio state, Michigan, uh, army, Navy, I think Alabama Mississippi state has been a rivalry. I think Auburn LSU has been a rivalry. I think Ole Miss Auburn has been a rivalry. I think uh, Arkansas Ole Miss has been a rivalry and not just Georgia, Florida. I mean, Florida, Tennessee, I was watching the sec rewind on that thing from 98 the other day. Like that game was a damn playoff game for what the the entire nineties, you know, Georgia, Tennessee massive. So you know, South Carolina, Georgia's turned into like a pretty cool game. And that's obviously a rivalry game. And I, I just, when you get those teams on an annual basis, it, it builds up over time and emotionally it hits you different when you play that team, when your team plays that team and Derek McFadden torched you the year before, or Matt Jones ran away from your DBs the year before, or Sean Alexander torched your defense for three straight years. Like whatever that is, there are reasons that it hits you harder each and every year. And it just means more. I don't mean to steal that from the sec, but those games that you got every year, because if you got them, you knew you were going to talk about that game for a year. If you didn't, all right, they got to come to our place next year. Or you know what? We're going to get them over there. You were going to have the chance to go get them again. And I just, I just think knowing you were going to have those brings more passion and brings more emphasis and brings more emotion to the table. So I hate seeing this thing fall apart. I was posed a very intriguing question about this that I want to get your response to. And once again, at cube show on Twitter at cube show on Instagram. I want you to comment on this in the YouTube, please. I haven't really asked for this before, but I want everybody else to see everybody's reaction to this because when you first hear it, this is, this is realignment. I'm going to tell you kind of where I think it's going, but I was offered up like, you know, remember the books when we were kids and it was to enter the cave, turn the page to go around the cave and continue through the forest, turn to page 38. 
Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you like a turn of page to, to turn to page 64, something totally different that nobody would ever choose to go down or think was available. That might be a real option. Um, Arizona is on the table right now for the big 12. Okay. So then what happens to the pac 12? Can they go grab a Gonzaga? Do they merge with the mountain West? Which if I was George Klyovkov, I'd be having serious conversations about right now. And I think a lot of the moves moving forward are going to be very intriguing because when you hear the Colorado boards of regents say about their move to the big 12, we wanted better windows with more eyeballs and more revenue. This was a better deal for Colorado. This was not a lifeline. This was a better deal than more than likely anything they had heard was going to be feasible through the PAC 12. So the moves moving forward, are they going to be out of desperation, a lifeline? Are they going to be grabbing a life preserver? Uh, are they going to be fed a little bit more oxygen on life support? Or are they going to be able to find better moves for them? It's going to be intriguing to watch because a lot of moves are going to be made that might not end up being the best moves. We can go into all, I could do an entire episode on Larry Scott and the arrogance of the PAC 12 and the extreme, the extreme spending of the PAC 12 and just all the different things that played into this. That that doesn't matter right now because that conference is on life support. That conference needs a life preserver. Like they need assistance in a major way or else it's going to go away. And for me as a college football fan, I do think that'll be sad. I'm actually really excited about the Pac-12 this year. Again, on a different show for another day. But if the Arizona thing doesn't happen, and Arizona State's going to hold on. So my understanding right now is one thing that you need to know about the TV deals. So it is worked into the Big 12 deals that if they add Power 5 schools, the number goes up through ESPN. The Big 10 deal with I believe most of the big 10, if not all the big 10 deals currently, mainly with Fox don't have that. So can it somehow be written in? Can it be adjusted? Does Fox want to adjust it? Does the big 10 want to ask them to adjust it? And then if not, is this just a waiting game to the next deal to go get say an Oregon and a Washington? I don't know. Oregon's pretty tight right now. You have a newer president and you have a major booster. Phil Knight, who keeps his inner circle pretty close. Not a lot of people know what he's thinking, know what he's wanting, know where that thing's headed from his perspective. So I think it's, I think you think about what would he want? What my understanding is there are a lot of people involved with Oregon that want to see the Pac-12 stay together ultimately because they can be competitive there. They can continue to win. Arizona State, same. They're going to hold tight. Uh, Just because from an athletic director perspective and a president's perspective, like they're dug in have been for a while there. That thing goes back to Larry Scott and there's a lot, maybe some of the blame there. It's, it's a whole lot. We're not going to get into all that right now. So if, if that's the case and Washington state Cal are probably just going to have to hold on for dear life here. What if there's a different move that's made? What if we project forward and Arizona doesn't go to the big 12? What if we look forward big 10 down the road, Oregon, Washington do come over. What if we get down the road and the two Arizona schools are just sitting there, Arizona state and Arizona and the academic accreditations actually are better than you would think that they were. I think they're both AAU accredited and obviously both have some pretty good history in athletics, Arizona state. You have to go back a little bit, but pretty good history in baseball. Obviously they've had some good football seasons. Arizona's had good football seasons. They're great in basketball. You enter two time zones right there and you have built in rivalries. Now on the surface, if you're Greg Sankey and you saw 
Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten. And a couple of those other schools in the Pac-12 made a run for the Big 12. And those two somehow were just sitting there able to be taken. Do you I mean there's no buyout? There's no money that's got to be paid out. Do you take them at a bit of a discount? Do you take them now? And do you extend? Because keep in mind, what when I offer this up, the main reason I say this is if we're going to this, you know, this this sort of you know, straight to consumer digital, all through an app, streaming, whatever down the road, you want to be able to show your product all day long and you want to be in multiple time zones. Think about it before you answer, but is that completely crazy for the Southeastern Conference to say, you know what? We're going to go West. We're going to enter the mountain time zone and the Pacific time zone, and we're going to get two teams that are automatic rivals. And yeah, it's going to be a challenge from a scheduling perspective and a travel perspective, but how many more teams in Texas do you need? How many more teams in Florida do you need? How many more teams in the Southeast do you need to get what's going to matter 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now? It's hard to think that way. And I, like I said, the first time it was posed to me, I basically told the dude to F off. Like, that's ridiculous. No. Why? Doesn't make sense. Think about it. And then hit me up. Let, let me know what you think that uh, troll of tears wants to know Zach Yenzer. Does he have the chops to rebuild soups O-line or not? We're going to hit that uh, Alabama dog tweets, Georgia. They will be included today. Um, a lot of guys, big cat weekend. So we already hit that. We already talked about that. I always pre- appreciate the responses. Tide bits wants us to talk Bama. Okay. We will talk Alabama a little bit today. And as you guys know, we're always brought to you by Wickles pickles. Wickedly delicious. Get them in your grocery store. Go to wickles.com. You can order them. They'll drop ship them to your house. We love them. We snack on them. We've always got them here in the house. Giant jars. We've got the gear. They take good care of us. We appreciate them being title sponsor of the show. All right. Uh, Vanderbilt's already underway. So what do I want to see from the Commodores? What questions can we get answered? Obviously, AJ Swan is the guy. Last year, we know Mike Wright had to go out, do some things against Hawaii. They opened up with Hawaii at home this year. Uh, that's going to be a week zero game. Uh, it was kind of back and forth. But one thing that we talked to that coaching staff about was wanting to have a guy at quarterback. Well, now AJ is the guy. He's got some pieces around him offensively that I'm excited to see, but mainly Cedric Alexander, this freshman running back, uh, London Hopkins and junior Cheryl freshman wide receivers. I want to see if they are ready to help, if they are ready to go out into this league and make plays. Cause I think AJ Swan could be a really good sec quarterback. He's going to need protection and he's going to need help for more than Will Shepard at wide receiver. They got to have guys. Of course, running back, you lose Ray Davis, who's heading over to Kentucky. That is a massive loss. But mainly for me, can the younger guys show up and help right away? All right. So tomorrow we're recording this on Sunday, July 31st, Florida and Missouri get going. What do we want to see from Florida? I think the first thing that comes to mind is wide receiver Andy Jean. Now, you know you who your number one wide receiver is. You're set there. I told you about our conversation with him at Media Days last week. But this Andy Jean kid... Uh, according to everybody says he's ready to help. He's ready to go. And he's going to be big time. Um, Aiden Mazel, can he help as well? That wide receiver core, just find some depth and maybe find a more legitimate playmaker that can do different things. Uh, Michael Mascua, uh, on the offensive line, Damian George on that offensive line will be the others. Some transfers into a group that loses Osiris Torrance and they need to be good with two good backs and a quarterback that you're not just going to lean on the entire time. You guys know, I don't think Graham Mertz is going to be miserable. I think he can be pretty good, but for me, 
I'm watching these young wide receivers and I want to see the transfer alignment, how they fit in. And I think we can learn that through camp and how it's covered and how some of the guys are going to deliver information to us. But those are kind of the two big questions that I have for Florida heading into fall camp. Now, Austin Armstrong taking over the defense. It'll be a little bit more aggressive. Yes, but I know he's excited about it. He's got confidence in his group coming out of spring and going into fall. So it's one that I feel pretty good about as well. Uh, Missouri is going to get going. So Eli Drinkwitz and his group hit the field tomorrow on Monday. It's quarterbacks, man. It's a new offense, but does Brady cook take this thing? Um, you know, does Garcia come in and maybe take this thing? I have to think cook is the, is the leader in the clubhouse, but when I mean, you had a baseball guy, you had some injuries that affected things through the spring. Brady cook's got good wheels. I think he's a tough kid. I think he's a good competitor. I just don't think he saw things through the lens of an sec quarterback last year. There was some panic at times. There was times the pocket didn't break down. He decided to leave and the accuracy has got to get better. I do think that some of that panic, he loses accuracy on the move a little bit and made some really poor decisions, but he's got the skill inside of him. Can he calm down a little bit and become Missouri's starting quarterback? I think the defensive line is going to be disruptive. Front seven is still going to be good. Blake Baker will have that group ripping and I think the O-line's got a chance to be solid. It's just and Luther Burden moving around of course is something we know is going to happen so we won't learn that. It's got to be quarterback with Missouri, man. Like I need to know and I want to see somebody go take it. It's not the worst thing if it doesn't happen, but the, the way that season opens up, South Dakota, yes, but Kansas State and then Memphis, like Ryan Silverfield's group's going to be ready to go. So you're not just going to tiptoe through that one and think you're going to be okay. I got to see a quarterback assert himself for that Missouri offense. That's what I want answered right out of the gate for Eli's group. All right, we skip Tuesday, then we go to Wednesday, August the 2nd. Texas A&M, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee get it going on Wednesday. Let's start with AM. I know a lot of you want me to sit here and say, Bobby Petrino, the offense, how does it work? Can they make it happen? Is it going to be a problem? Well, first off, you wouldn't know if that was a problem anyway in fall camp. It's just not going to happen. I almost just dropped an F-bomb there, but I've been asked to down the language a little bit, so I'm trying to do that. My mother-in-law, Meg Petty, thank you for listening. I'm going to try to keep it down for her as well. But some of you other guys doing that, so I'm trying to work on that for you. Graphics? You're still out of luck. Sorry, that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, Texas A&M, this is pretty simple, man. Ruben Owens. Because I, I do think A&M is okay at running back otherwise. Like, you you got a couple of dudes who last year, we were told late in the season, they had a lot of confidence in. Le'Veon Moss, Amari Daniels. And then, of course, I mean, you've got a, a do-it-all guy in a nice Smith that's going to line up everywhere. He's another part that I want to see just sort of how they're using him because if they're doing a lot more pre-snap with the presentation, which I think Bobby can do and Jim Chaney's going to help with, a nice Smith will be a big part of that because he's somebody when you move him, you've got to pay attention to. And you can give him the ball quick and he can turn him into explosive plays. But if they are different at running back, this offense becomes really different because the O-line should be okay. Wigman should be fine. Receivers really good. Start to change the presentation offensively. And you can turn and hand it 20, 24 times a game to a back that can be maybe a little bit more dynamic than what's already there. So really and truly, Ruben Owens is my big question. I would love to tell you second and third level of the defense outside of one linebacker, one safety. I don't know how different that group is really going to be this year. I don't have a ton of confidence that that changes, but if the D line is disruptive as I think it can be, that also won't really matter. So it's Ruben Owens for me, man. I want to see, can he get in there, assert himself, be a dude and change the A and M running game because there's that level of confidence floating around him coming in. 
That's a big question at camp I want answered. And maybe how the O-line works itself out a little bit. But again, I don't have a ton of question marks about who's going to be where and how they're going to operate. For Kentucky, very simple once again. It's not one guy. It, it goes a little bit to one guy, but it's one group. It's that offensive line. Liam Cohen can circumvent it a little bit. He knows how to operate around it. The new Kentucky offensive coordinator, Devin Leary, can get it out quick. He can be somewhat mobile in the bootleg game and the quarterback move game. I'm not saying he's a runner that's going to carry the ball 20 times, but he can move some around the pocket. You can manipulate it a little bit with him because he stays accurate on the run. Ray Davis, we mentioned from Vanderbilt is going to be great. Best Kentucky receiver room they've ever had. Solid group of tight ends to be able to help with that offensive line. But folks, it's got to be better. And Stoops told me, I mean, I told you, I sat down with Stoops at media days and we got through two questions. He's like, are you going to ask me about the O-line or not? Like, I know it's coming. Just go ahead and do it. Like, I, I know you want to talk about it. I've prepared to talk about it. So let's get it going. It was pretty cool the way that he did it. Um, that group's got to be different. If Kentucky's going to challenge in the East, if they're going to be there late in the mix, if they're going to get to 10 wins, anything like that, the O-line's got to be a lot better. And I don't think they need to be 95 Nebraska's O-line or Georgia or Michigan's O-line from last year. They just got to be pretty good. Like they just got to hold up. Just don't get smoked. Don't be a liability like you were at times last year because Will Levis was not able to operate to his full extent because of that offensive line at times. So with a solid back, a really good back, great receivers, good tight end group, and an offense that's going to be able to find those matchups, they just need to hold up. And I'm confident in Marquez Cox. The Northern Illinois transfer tackle. I think he'll be okay. But as we, as we sort of really dial it in, I went back and watched some Eli Cox this week. I'm excited to see him get away from center because I think he's just kind of a glass eater. Like I think he's a war daddy. He just needs to put his hand in a date and come off the ball. Like that's what he needs to do. And I think he'll be able to just get out there and grind and he'll be better there. Uh, Jagger Burton goes back down to center, but what, what do we have at the other tackle? Cortland Ford, Jeremy Flax, that right tackle spot. I'm really interested to watch. That's kind of the big one coming out of Kentucky. So if I'm a Kentucky fan, what do I want to learn? What's my big question? Does that right tackle spot get locked down quickly? Are we getting eight, nine practices in and Stoops is sitting at or Cohen's hitting press conferences saying, you know what? We're still rolling over on the right side. We're not sure how that's going to work. Don't want to hear that. I want to hear about a guy that took that position. We're confident in what we see. He's handling his business over there and the O-line's looking better as a group. Like that's what you want answered. Um, Ole Miss, there's a lot because there's a lot new. But like I told you guys, I think Trey Harris, the La Tech receiver is going to have a big year. Zachary Franklin's just a, he's a stud. I mean, he's a big time wide receiver, do it all wide receiver that they're going to find matchups for IDUTSA. He's big time. Um, Caden Priestcorn, big time tight end. I do think one of my big questions is, is Michael Trigg. Is he invested? Is he into it? Does he love football again? If so, there are not a lot of athletes playing that position like him that you can do the kind of things with him you're going to be able to do. So that's a big one. But this is defense, man. It's got to be. It's got to be Pete Golding. How that defense operates under his regime. Can he get it installed? How much can he do? How aggressive can he be? But more important, Josh Harris from NC State. Stephon Wynn Jr. from Nebraska. J.J. Pegues becoming more of a defensive lineman. He's an athlete. We've seen him take direct snaps. We've seen the three sixties. We've seen him throw the ball. Like, okay, great. I want you to become an interior defensive lineman in the Southeastern conference, strike and shed, use your hands, get off blocks, rush the passer, dent the pocket. That's what I want to see from JJ Pegues become a real sec defensive lineman. And not that he's been fake or anything. It's just, he's been living off some athleticism. 
he gets, he starts getting into doing the dirty work and the fundamental stuff like Stefan Wynn does, who's not near as athletic. You're going to have a trio of interior guys that are going to be a problem, a handful for a lot of sec offensive lines. And as I've told you guys before, the structure of this defense will make them 20% better against the run. It's going to happen. Now, second, third level, if you're just asking questions, those would be big questions, but I don't, I don't, we're not getting those answered in fall camp. So there's going to be a lot of things with a lot of these teams you're going to want me to talk about. And the reason that I'm not bringing them up is I don't think we're going to get them answered in fall camp. And I'm not surely confident we're going to get them answered throughout the entire season. They're just going to be question marks for a while. And then maybe at some point we say, oh, so-and-so showed up or, oh man, that group's playing a lot better. We just won't know those things. Tennessee, they also get going Wednesday, August the 2nd. Um, John Campbell Jr. and Mincy at tackles. I think it's going to be Mincy at the other tackles. Campbell, the Miami transfer. Once again, the receivers are going to be fine. Um, they got so much coming back. And then adding Dante Thornton, hearing the way Joe Milton talked about Dante Thornton at media days kind of would have me nervous if I was an SEC DB playing this team. Squirrel White, inside. Ramel Keaton, a little bit of do it all. Brew McCoy, big physical on the outside. They, that's not an issue. It's not a problem. Running backs are going to be fine. Milton with some of the consistencies, we know what that's going to be. Uh, but just don't get away from how good the O-line was last year. It's a big reason the offense was as good as it was. Okay. When you have to respect things and they could put you in conflict the way that they did, because that group was dominant at times, both in protection and the run game. That's when this offense goes to goodness gracious level. I almost said holy expletive, but you know what? I'm tr- once again, bit my tongue. I'm trying there. So my mother-in-law can give me two bonus points. Uh, that's when things get scary. Yeah. Peely on defense. I'm, I'm interested to see how he, how they use him. I think they'll be aggressive with him because I don't think he's a, a, a great read and react guy. I think he's a great attacker, but I don't think he's a sort of sit back, see ball, get ball guy. Uh, but they are going to be a little better up front, I think. And then a lot of experience on the back end, like corner. Is that another big question for Tennessee? Yeah. Do we come out of fall saying, Oh, corners going to be good. I don't know because a lot of the guys that played late are going to be playing again and they struggled. And a lot of the guys who were dinged up are going to be back, but we don't really know a lot about them. So yeah, you got, I mean, a couple guys coming in, uh, you know, the Gabe Judy lolly kid from Vandy and BYU. Maybe he helps a lot. I don't really know. I just think that the corner position is going to be a question for a little while into the season. We're not going to get that through fall camp. All right. Thursday, August the 3rd. Don't forget blue Delta jeans also brought to you by them. Custom premium fit denim. They're going to make these for you. So if you're like me and you got the muffin tops going and you're a little chubby, whatever, and maybe the legs aren't as chubby, they're going to fit exactly the way that you want. You want them a little more slim cut. They can do that for you. You want boot cut. They can do that for you. However you want your jeans to fit. Blue Delta jeans makes them for you. And you can gift card these things as well. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. If you got a birthday for a dad or a brother or a husband coming up, Get them to him right there. Nick and the guy's going to go take great care of you. I have multiple pair. I don't want another pair of jeans ever because they're lightweight. They're custom fit. They're comfortable. They're flexible, stretchy. Yes, everything. And they look great. They look dressy. You can dress these things up so you don't always have to go with dress pants or khakis. You can just wear your blue delsas and you're going to be set. There's a reason the commissioner of the league wears them. That's all you need to know. All right. um, Going to Thursday, August the 3rd. (laughs) Big day. Bama, Georgia. LSU, Auburn, uh, all get cranked up on Thursday, August the 3rd. Let's start with Alabama. 
it's quarterback, obviously. And I don't know if there's any way I could circumvent this and try to find something else to talk about or something you might be into or want to hear about. Buckner Simpson, Milrow, who's the guy? I I do think um, probably going to be in Tuscaloosa week one. Feeling pretty good about the crew coming back. But um, for you guys listening via podcast, there were two winks there. Uh, but also, if it's not Milrow, are they going to find other ways to use him? Finally, finally. Been asking for this for two years. I mean, hell, we asked Saban. We asked Bill O'Brien. We had him each of the last two years. Is there not more this guy can do for you? Maybe some of that was just not wanting to get Bryce off the field because he was that good. And he was that good. He was, he was that freaking good. But now you might need it more so than in the past. You didn't need it with Jameer Gibbs and Bryce Young, I don't think. But now with some younger backs that aren't quite, don't have as many carries and maybe not quite as multiple in a quarterback that doesn't have the experience and maybe just not as good. Maybe you need Jalen Milrow to do a little bit more, but I'll just, since that's so easy and I do think it goes through the first game, we'll, we'll go a little bit further. I want to see some Malik Benson is one, but apparently he lived up to all the hype in the spring. Jordan Rogers was there. I've talked to him about it. He's like, Cole kids, real deal. People I've talked to inside that building, real deal. So once again, everybody says Bama lost all these weapons, but nobody talks about Malik Benson. We've seen Alabama get a receiver come in and be lights out. So just saying, but I want to see these freshmen, man. Like I, how long is it going to take Caden Proctor to lock down one of the tackle spots? Because I think it happens based on what I've seen and heard is Caleb down safety day one. Is he, you know, is he on teams and then spot duty guy? Is he nickel dime guy? I, I don't know. And then justice Haynes, some of those running backs we're talking about, does he bump ahead of the few other guys that are there right now? Like they don't, it doesn't feel like Alabama really needs a ton of running backs and, you know, to be able to give you reps or give you carries, but it's a little bit better than maybe what's there. Chase McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, they like Jam Miller a lot. So is there even room for him to come get carries? But based on what they offered up in the spring and the time that he got, it feels like he might be a real contributor to this Alabama football team right out of the gate. So that's what I'm interested in with the crimson tide uh with georgia kind of the same deal on quarterback for sure but i don't think just starter like if carson beck locks this thing down is it just vandegrift next because i really like gunner stockton man i called one of his high school games i mean hearing his coach talk about him and, and what he's about and how he operates as a high schooler i can only imagine what he's like inside of a college facility you talk about tough man this kid's a good old country boy that playing quarterback that likes contact uh, and can sling the football around. So I also want to see the order of finish with the Georgia quarterbacks. But then too, is like, does Carson Beck take it? Does he hold on to it? Spring games can be manipulated a little bit to make some things look the way that you want. So does he just run away with this thing? Guys like Aaron Murray, my boy, Greg McElroy, who I'm on radio with in the mornings in Birmingham, uh, jocksfm.com, 7 to 10 a.m. weekdays. They all say yes. And they all think this thing's done. but uh, we'll see. It feels that way. I don't know. But you got Damon Wilson, a freshman edge. You've got Raylan Wilson, a freshman off the ball linebacker, and Jordan Hall, a freshman D tackle. Three guys. I don't throw, I'm not going to throw a ton of freshmen out in this whole thing. We're going to get seven or eight probably, but that's with all the teams. Uh, those guys apparently could help. And, and I'm not talking about five or six plays a game. I'm talking could be real players for this Georgia defense. So I think if we start going through camp and we hear about 
that guy's in first rotation. That guy's getting a ton of reps. That guy's stealing reps from other guys. Those are three that I want to watch for Georgia that where I feel like that front seven has maybe taken just a smidge of a dip more so in the middle of the defense than off the ball, not maybe depth at edge too a little bit. Michael Williams can be great, but those three can make a big difference from a depth perspective. If they were to lose a guy or just coming to be better. So I want to see how that goes for that group with LSU. Man, it doesn't feel like there are too many question marks. I, I just got to go corner now. Coming out of spring, corner is what needed the most work for LSU. And they're going to get going Thursday, August the 3rd also. Um, Offensively, maybe how the O-line shapes out a little bit. If a freshman does break into the starting lineup, I don't think that happens against Florida State because you don't need it to. But if if there's some movement back and forth there, like if you're moving the pieces around, all right, maybe I'm interested in that. The health of Mason Smith, I definitely am interested to see. That's a big question mark. Harold Perkins usage, definitely want to see that. We know he's going to be used everywhere though. So I can't, that can't be one of my big, like the big question. I just think it's corner. You got some new faces coming in, some old guys from Louisiana that it probably means a lot to be wearing that LSU uniform at a position of need for Matt House. Are they problems in practice? Now, here's the thing with LSU. You could be a really good group of corners and a lot of the media that doesn't get to see a lot of practice is probably going to see you getting roasted a bunch with that group of wide receivers, Lacey and neighbors and company. They may still be pretty good. So we probably got to be a little careful with what we hear or see coming out of there because that group of wide receivers is special, man. And even a really group of DBs, we may be hearing about how they're struggling or getting beat and everything may be a okay. Um, Auburn also on Thursday, I want to see how this offensive line's taking shape. And that will include where some people are lining up. Like is Xavion Miller ready to play tackle? Does Gunnar Britton, uh, he was number one Juco tackle in the country. Xavion Gunnar Britton, the Western Kentucky transfer guard tackle. Do they need him in a tackle? Can they play him at guard? Um, you know, also, Dylan Wade looks like he's going to be a star at left. How good is that going? Just want to see, you know, there's a freshman that may be able to break into that lineup and not necessarily start, but play a lot. I want to see where the pieces are. And then I just, I think the wide receiver core, can we hear good things with the receivers coming out? Um, I think they have multiple receivers that are going to be able to help that are coming in. Are any receivers that have been there? going to be able to exceed expectations and maybe be what some people thought they were going to be last year, the year before I, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Um, Jair shorter is going to be a dude. Like he's a big physical down the field, big catch radius guy. He can run past DBs. Shane hooks coming from Jackson state, a little bit different. He's loose. He's got good hands. He's reliable. Nick Marner, your big physical guy from Cincinnati, probably more red zone, 50, 50 balls. Um, but, you know, Coy Moore, we've seen what he can do a little bit. People say Jay Fair's ready to go. Camden Brown's ready to go. I don't know. I hadn't seen a ton of them. So, like, let's see what they – what are we hearing about that receiver core in game, in, in practice? I want to see who's ready, who's contributing. Also, just the running back situation. And I'm going to kind of leave it at that because I do think it works itself out. But that's a question that I have for fall camp with you freeze year one and just how that thing is going to work itself out. Am I down on it? Uh, I think there's reasons to be positive about it, but I just want to see how, how it all works itself out. Friday, August the 4th, a couple teams left. 
Mississippi State gets going. We mentioned them a little bit earlier. So what are we looking for? What's the question that can be answered coming out of fall camp for Mississippi State? Quarterback comfort level. I think we'll be able to pre- get a pretty good idea. Will Rogers turning his back to a defense, taking a couple snaps under center, operating the pistol a little bit more. Even the folks who offset all of this and say, well, he's going to be in a pistol. How many times he in the pistol last year, the year before? Like taking a snap in the pistol is still different. You're still closer to the line of scrimmage. That ball gets on you a little bit faster. Your footwork and your technique and fundamentals are still different to turn and hand the ball off. So I, I mean, still want to know how it feels. And if he's super comfortable with it, how much are they turning the ball over? Are they having troubles with exchange, be it pistol or underneath? Um, if we're hearing about a lot of picks in practice, I was imagine because there's a little bit of an issue with, you know, turning your back to the defense, coming back in that picture being different. Those are things I'm, I think we might be able to get some answers to. The other one that was tight ends, and this group has some unknowns. This is a group that I think that they're going to need. I think they probably know. I think Coach Barbe knows right now, like, I can't just lean on that group, but they'd like to have that group be a group that can really help them this fall. So I think tight ends probably has to be a big question mark coming out from Mississippi State because we don't know. And then just the O-line, how they're adjusting. You know, are if you hear about a lot of TFLs, you know, guys that are slithering through that zone scheme, making tackles in the backfield, pressures breaking down, the, the splits are going to be tighter. The steps are going to be different. They're going to step on each other in practice. Like they're going to run some zone plays where the quarterback's going to get stepped on. They're going to take some snaps under center and drop back past stuff, and the quarterback's going to get stepped on. It's just going to happen. It happened with us. I did it to Ben Leard. I did it to Jeff Klein. I did it to Daniel Cobb. Like it's did to Jason Campbell. It's different, man. So I just think all around comfort level offensively with how they're operating in a new manner is what I want to know if they're, how far along are they? They feel really good about it. They still worried about it. I think we might be able to get some of those answers. Arkansas. They also get going on Friday. Um, the wide receivers did some decent things in the spring game, but I still don't really know so many transfers coming in. Andrew Armstrong, Isaac Tesla, you know, Tyrone Broden Crockett coming in. Um, you got, I just, I want to see and hear about them doing good things, especially in a newer offense. And that's also part of this. We'll probably be able to get some questions there about what the offense looks like, how it's going to be. You know, I, I know for a fact that, KJ Jefferson's footwork has had a spotlight on it since Dan Enos arrived. And even going into the spring, it was still a big concern. Does that mean he's not going to be a good quarterback? No. Is it, could it keep him from being an elite quarterback in a newer system doing different things? Yeah, it could. It could hold him back at times. So, you know, whether it's getting wide on a zone play, getting back in your drops, different, you know, getting out of the way on some of those plays, not getting stepped on. Like I talked about all those things come into play. But I have confidence that KJ is going to be a stud either way. And then Varkey's gums. I've told you guys about him. I think he really helps. It was weird not hearing about him being mentioned much at media days. Uh, but I, I have a lot of confidence. He can really help that team because his North Texas film is fantastic. And then it's got to be DBs. Uh, I mean, Jaheim Singletary should be big time quarterback from Georgia, not there in the spring coming in. He's going to help, uh, you know, Rondo Johnson from Baylor. Uh, Stewart coming in at the corner from TCU, Walcott coming in from Baylor at probably nickel safety. How does all that work in with Travis's new defense? Um, it can't be worse than last year. That's the good news. If you're a hog fan, it can't be worse because God almighty, the secondary was bad last year. So I want to hear that that group's making plays. Probably what we really want to hear is just a lack of breakdowns. So if you're thinking about what to look for questions, you want answered, 
if you're hearing from Travis Williams, if you're hearing from Sam Pittman and they're not mentioning breakdowns in the secondary defensively, Oh buddy, that's a really good thing. Like you're cooking with gas. If that's the case, like you feel good about that. Finally, South Carolina, they get going Friday and I'm going to make it real simple. I could give you a line. We've talked about it on the show a couple of times, tell you things I'm worried about, not worried about. This is real easy for me, man. Nicholas freaking Harbor. That's it. Like I want to know if six, five, two thirty, with real track speed. I don't say that unless it's real. Like there's fast and then there's really fast. And then there's track speed. Never ever confuse fast with track speed because they are different. Now there have been very few times that track speed has had a direct carry over into football. Uh, Tim Carter was a guy at Auburn that I played with track speed. And as he got later in his career, it started to translate a little bit more. But we had a kid that was like an almost Olympic runner who came over and tried to play football. And I think he was on kick return once with probably not the best place to put him. I think one hit in practice. And he was like, I'm going back to track, man. Like we run in shorts and tank tops. I'm out done. So wide receiver is going to get his first go, but this is, this is a kid, especially with juice Wells, man. Like he could make a big difference. If he gives you just the ability to throw three, four balls down the field, a game, two or three balls down the field, a game that safety has got to stay back and over on that. Like that corner has got to play off a little bit. It just opens up so much more. I want to see if he's going to be utilized, if they can trust him, if they feel good about him, because that could make a big difference for that offense. Yeah. There are other questions to carry on Jorner at tailback. Can they use him other ways? Spencer Rattler taking a jump. What does the offense look like? I get it. I get it. But my big question for South Carolina, Nicholas Harbor. So Appreciate you guys tuning in always, man, the love at media days and beyond for the pod. People say that they listen, that they enjoy it. I just want to say thank all you guys very much because we're just kind of trying to grassroots this thing, grow this thing. And and there have, there have been many people who have helped out. Like Michael Braden was big. Josh Pate. I give him a hard time. We kid around, but like Josh has been awesome with helping me grow this podcast. And I, I really do appreciate him. And I appreciate all you guys that have helped spread the word. Like my guys at the war report, they have been incredible trying to help spread the word with this thing, trying to help me build up a little bit of an audience, which I think we've gone from like a, a minute micro audience to like a, um, a little bit above barely having an audience, but you know what we're trying. It's all about effort, man. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're going to keep trying to bring you each and every Sunday. Should have some good news for you for the fall in the next week or two. So keep in, keep in tune for that because it may actually change the podcast schedule. I don't know yet. We'll talk about it later because I don't want to get into it now. Thank you for tuning in. We're back next Sunday. Camp will be underway. We'll have legitimate news for all these teams of what's going on, who's where, who's not there, and all of that right here on Cube Show. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.